podcast. We are five girls who love the earth and have a passion for living a more eco-friendly life. We are real-life zoo employees, and as always, nothing that we say reflects our organizations and all thoughts and opinions are our own. Please keep in mind that we do try to keep the podcast about PG-13, so if you have any younger listeners, you might want to review the content before you have them listen. And with that, I'm Emily B. I'm Katie. And I'm Emily A. And with that, let's talk about stuff. Boom. Yeah. So we're going to start with our fan <laughs> shout out today uh, for giving us this episode idea. Shout out to Jennifer. Uh, once again, we mentioned her last week and we're mentioning her again because thank you so much. But she asked us if there were any animals that um, we were afraid of or were hesitant about and how we either kind of overcame that fear or just kind of learn to respect those animals at the very least so uh we're kind of dubbing this episode creepy crawlies for that reason and talking about animals that people uh, might not be so in love with so not quite our big sexy megafauna that we always talk about (laughs) there are some little sexy megafauna but mostly we're looking at some you know the opposite end of that spectrum. Yep. <laughs> um, I also want to shout out Kenzie's mom because a while ago she got us all AZA uh, safe wine. So safe is save animals from extinction. So the wine goes directly to saving animals. And it's amazing. And I may or may not be having a glass of wine during this podcast. <laughs> I really like that the website is literally, when you search it, the tagline is drink wine, save animals, stay wild. We like those things. Amazing. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that tagline. I wish they had more. Hey, AZA, make more. <laughs> we want more. I want more wine. <laughs> more animals and more wine. Ooh, what if you did like a spoonbill rose? That would be fancy. Oh, I would love that. That's a good idea. I'm here for that. (laughs) Wait, just kidding. AZA, if you're going to use that idea, pay me for it. (laughs) All right. So what are our conservation updates? Yeah. So I actually have one, a cool one that I found this week. Um, There was a study of some endangered hornbills that live in the Philippines And the study found more than double the amount of hornbills that they were expecting to find, which is pretty crazy. Um, It's this tiny little island in the Philippines they performed this study on, um, and they were expecting about 1,800 birds, and they actually found double that, um, over 3,600 of these hornbills that they were looking at, which is good news for hornbills in the Philippines um, because uh, there are 13 species of hornbills that live in the Philippines, I guess, and 11 of them are endangered. So um, always good to hear Good conservation oh, things. That's a happy surprise. They're all pretty. Yes. What if, would you? Could you yes. imagine? Birds are. If you like, were told that there were like I don't know, thirty polar bears somewhere, and then you went there and you found like triple. That would be so cool. That would be very happy. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't you guys just like? I would I think I was crying. I'd be like, <laughs> they, did, they did the thing. Amazing. Um, I think that's it for conservation news, though. Do we have zoo news? 
We sure do. We've got a couple Zoom news things. Um, Zoo news. Uh, so what I do to look up Zoo news is I search Zoo in Google and then click the news button. <laughs> wow, <Not> scientific. <laughs> Well, because I tried joining a World Zoo News page on Facebook, and it just turns out that, like, it's just births of new animals, which is cool, but I'm like, that's not as exciting as what I'm Well, we sure do for. love baby animals, though. I do, too. I get the Connect magazine, and my favorite part is the, like, birthings and hatching section, but, like, that can't be our only Zoo News. There's got to be more than that I Zoo News guess. Okay, well, there is some more. Um, The first one is kind of, I don't really know if it's happy or sad. It's kind of in the middle. But the St. Louis Zoo is closing down permanently its children's zoo area. um, Because their children's zoo area was a very high-touch location. And they decided that even post-COVID-19, the high-touch area might still be kind of dangerous. So, instead... For now, they're having like a dinosaur exhibit, which I like dinosaurs. Who doesn't? Road trip, right? I mean, children also love dinosaurs, Um, so it fits. I am a child. (laughs) It totally does, (laughs) and yeah, you are. And (laughs) um, but they think they're they're reimagining it, so they still will have a children's zoo. It's just going to look very different than the current one. I'm guessing like less touchy stuff, maybe more interactive in other ways. Me stuff. So um, the second zoo news is something that um, when I heard this, I like lost my mind. Um, Disney Plus, which if you've been listening for a while, you know that we love love a good Disney Plus. They just they just announced they are making a new show called The Magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom. And it's going to do a behind the scenes look at how they take care of animals at Animal Kingdom. And then I think in the article it said at the seas um at epcot and then also at the animal that's gonna be so cool i'm pretty just i'm yeah so excited show me your secrets oh my gosh and this is also the time to mention that even though that they are a theme park they're still aza accredited and there's a few facilities that are like that so don't like discredit a theme park by saying it's not a zoo or accredited just because it also has rides True that. I wonder if people who work there are always like, yes, we are a zoo. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they do. <laughs> is that a return? I was wondering where that, that sentence was going. <laughs> oh, man. That's where it went. It just <laughs> went halfway. Yeah. All right. And now on to the least anticipated segment of I'm highly anticipating this. That was quite the buildup. And I know exactly what Emily B is going to talk about because I saw it earlier this week and I was like, oh, she's totally going to do that for Beluga News. So please. All right. So, of course, the greatest segment, Beluga News. Um, There was a really cool article that I found that there was this Beluga whale in Norway and he swam up this like river channel which is known to have really shallow sandbars and really dramatic tides. So the water rushes in from the ocean, makes it really high, and then goes out with the tide and makes it really, really low and really shallow. And they used a drone to find this beluga whale because like somebody saw it and was like, hey, there's a beluga whale where he's not supposed to be. And this is like in a remote airway of area of Norway um, where it's not easy to access. So they used a drone to find him and then to get him out of the river 
they tied a bunch of like empty plastic bottles to the end of this boat that like when they drug them with the boat, it like made this loud noise. And belugas being the curious animals that they are, this beluga was like, oh, what the heck is that noise? I'm going to follow it and find out. And they just let him ride out and out he went. And, you know, life's great now, which is wow. really cute. What a curious baby. I love yeah. it. You know, that's a good way. Like, I know we were talking about being taking plastic out of the ocean. That's the one use for it's plastic. It's the only. In the Confuse the beluga whales. The only time I can put plastic bottles in the ocean. And only if we're doing it for a nice And you're taking reasons. them out immediately after. Yes. I just thought it was a cute story. I mean, how cool would that be? Use a drone, find a beluga. You know what? I'm not good at video games. I feel like I would be such, like, if people were like, here, Abby, why don't you try driving it? And then they'd be like, you just lost this five <laughs> I think I need to find some hyena news next week. <laughs> Make it your task. <laughs> All right. Well, Shall we dive into this week? Yeah, oh, let's do yeah. it. Or so crawling, I guess. Crawling, <laughs> Slytherin. Let's do it. Oh, Creepy boy. crawly battle royale. So, do you have an animal you can't stand? Or maybe is it a creepy crawly you feel is misunderstood? Well, guess what, guys? We're going to talk about that. So this week, we are looking at some of the animals most people would consider creepy crawlies. And we actually had quite a few of you respond to us and I was gonna tell say, us which ones you don't like. <laughs> let's read out some of the people's answers. Uh, I have it up right here. So we have... The first one is butterflies, which I understand. I know so many people who are afraid of butterflies. I mean, I don't personally Me too. but, like, I understand. <laughs> and I, I said this. I said this to the other queens is that um, I think it's because of that one episode of SpongeBob. I think it really scarred people for life when it has the close zoom up of the butterfly. And it's oh. like... Zzz. I yes. think that scarred people. I know I was freaked out by it as a child. So. I just heard uh, Kylie Jenner say that they freak her out because when you pluck off the wings, they just look gross. And I'm I like, but why she would you freaks pluck me off out. The wings? <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. I am scared of Kylie Jenner. She's the creepy crawly. I will be discussing today. Hot tank. But yeah, so butterflies. Um, the next person responded anglerfish, which like super fair. Like they got you know a lot of teeth and they live very deep in the ocean. And I, I would want somebody I know personally. Someone, someone that I know described the male as a skin tag. Yeah. That's what they do, man. They morph into the female because she's really, yeah. really big and he's really, really small. Ew. They're really, <laughs> they're really she absorbs him into her body. Yep. Even though they're kind of scary, they are really fascinating fish. I will give them that. Uh, the next one is cockroaches, which Fair. I think we're going to be talking about. Question yes. Right? Yes. Okay. So we'll dive a bit deeper into cockroaches. Emily is very excited. <laughs> uh, we have tapeworms, which is also fair. I can I can see it's why. It's a parasite. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like yeah, most I parasites are kind of gross. So that's, yeah. They are. I took parasitology, and there are some parasites that literally can like change mm, your love that. Function. Love that. So, oh my gosh, yes. Highly well, recommend watching a TED talk um, about parasites. I forgot what it's called, oh but God. it's incredible. I thought you were gonna say that Animal Planet show. Do you guys remember that show, Monsters Inside Me? 
Oh my god! I yes. literally couldn't watch. No, that that's disgusting. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I would change the channel. Me too. That one percent of guinea worm. The guinea guinea worms are the grossest because you have to like just take them out little by little, and oh, it's yeah. Okay. Um, the next response I love so much. It's um, not scared of them, but pelicans do creep me out, especially very young. <laughs> which is okay. Valid. That person Listen, is valid. That is not their yawn, though. That picture that's going around the internet is not. Wait, what are they doing then when they meh with their mouth? You know. When well, well, when they open their mouth and they push their like their neck out like, of their throat? throat. Yeah, go ahead. Wait, ew, yeah, what? It's, it's disgusting. Bad. I've seen it. I've I've seen them do it it in person. Yeah, well, they're not actually yawning. It's something different. Oh, you know why? The dodo. The dodo's the one who Okay, but what are they doing? What are they actually doing? Well, they're not shoving their spines through their mouths. That's what people think they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But what they're doing, I believe, is they're... Oh, no, it is them yawning. It's just not the point. Okay, so I got that wrong. So they are yawning, but it's not their spine. It's just their throat going through their mouths. So that that I just thought it was their like when like they're cooling themselves down. Like they're it's like their version of panting. <sighs> see, that's that's what a lot of people think. But they if they were to do it, there'd be gular fluttering. So that's when you see. Um, so the big old sack on the bottom of their bill is called a gular. All birds have it, but not all of them have like that. Wait, one. I'm I'm so- looking at the picture and I want to bomb. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I'm with that person. I mean, I like pelicans, but that picture was weird. <laughs> Wait, go ahead. Go I ahead, Abby. Continue, it's... though. But yeah, so their gular basically is just like this flap of skin. And then what they can do is they can pant, and the panting is what helps them lower their body heat. So, because they can't sweat, mm-hmm. right? So they pant like a dog, but their gular will flutter, and that'll, they, it's called gular fluttering, is like the word. Um, we're all down here in Florida, so if you ever see a cormorant oh, yeah. on the side of, like, a oh, pond, yeah. you'll see them doing okay, it Okay, yes, the I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that's what they're doing. So pelicans, I guess, that is them yawning, so I will correct myself, but what I was trying to say is it's not them pushing their spine Yeah, no, I would hope not. Um, fun fact, I one time weighed, uh, rescued pelicans. Um, if you want to know how you weigh a rescued pelican... Carefully, you do it definitely <laughs> carefully. Um, they don't like being uh, grabbed and picked up and brought places, so that's a challenge in itself. Um, but they actually have a trash can on top of the scale, and you put the pelican in the trash can very gently, and then put uh, and then you weigh them, and then you take them out and you put them back in their little habitat <laughs> until they're ready to go. And that is not. That's not unusual either. That's oh, yeah. Birds can be a little finicky, especially the larger ones when it comes to, to being white. Just, they just want more love and people are afraid of them. And it makes me Well, sad. we'll get into that. But uh, my next res- or the next response was my ultimate favorite. It was humans. Boo. Uh, Fair. Yeah. So that was also very valid. Um, but then they responded again and said, also all snakes, if something has a different amount of legs than I do, then I probably fear it. Um, That's like most that? animals. Okay, so I have a, <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say, I have a question about that. because like, We're like the only ones who walk upright. Well, I guess, Most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. He probably meant like more than four legs, I would assume. Still though. Man, and then we have... Do you guys? Oh, go ahead. 
Do you guys have any animals that like skeeve you out? Yes. I. What's your? I have never been super comfy around crabs and lobsters. I. Oh, we're gonna talk about that. Yeah, I um, and and I was gonna get into this a little in our next segment, but why not? Let's let's go right into it. Most of the other answers after this were. In um, various insects, uh, we had vultures, rats, um, poor, someone said my poor shark babies. So, yeah. <laughs> my gosh, leave my birds alone. Um, and yeah, so basically what we're going to talk about now is why are people afraid of certain animals? Because uh, I think sometimes it's pretty valid, <laughs> you know, we're put on this earth healthy to survive. fear is okay most of and, the time. Yeah, sometimes we, we got to survive, so fear is necessary. Um, I will tell you, when I saw lions in the wild for the first time, I definitely had that real healthy fear response of don't make any noise whatsoever and move very minimally, but I'm not like grossed out by lions yeah. well i'm going to talk a little bit about that because there's a difference between fear and disgust um and that can play into <laughs> like people's view of certain animals um also i quickly want to mention someone did respond to the question with great apes and it offended me greatly it's okay it wasn't <laughs> me but i relate to them yeah no i understand a lot of people fear uh great apes and i understand that but i also love them so much but anyway no. I'm going to be talking about how insects are cool, and there's a specific insect I don't like, so (laughs) there you go. Mine mine was not listed on there, but when I get to my section, I will mention what I'm skeeved out by and why, because I'm sure my brother will get a kick out of it. Cool. So, kind of going back to why are we afraid of certain animals, we have something called the biology of fear. Uh, There have been numerous studies done to determine if fear of animals like spiders and snakes is an innate or a learned behavior. So either we're born fearing a certain animal or we learn to fear an animal from our outside uh, surroundings. So a group of researchers from the Max Planck Institute in Germany and Uppsala University in Sweden decided to find out by testing a segment of the population least likely to show fear, um, which was babies. So they showed babies images of spiders and snakes, and the babies consistently reacted with larger pupils as opposed to when they were shown images of things like flowers and fish. Uh, dilated Dilated pupils show a heightened state of arousal and mental processing and stress. So they correlated that with kind of a fear reaction. So that makes sense if you think about it. An innate fear of snakes and spiders makes sense evolutionarily because they can definitely pose a threat in certain situations. We've had a long period of co-evolution with these animals. We're talking 40 to 60 million years of it. Our early human ancestors would have been much more susceptible to a venomous bite than we are today. So makes sense that we would have this kind of innate fear. But there have also been a lot of studies that kind of conflict with the finding that the fear of these animals is innate and that it's not fear, but that young children can identify these animals more readily. So there's, yeah, still some debate there. Uh, However, it is definitely proven that we are hugely influenced by outside factors that uh create fear in 
humans. Uh, if a parent has a large fear reaction to a snake or spider, or like, you know, say when you were a kid, your mom would find a spider in your room and she would freak out, scream, you know, you'd run to the other room with her and, you know, had to call someone else to go kill it or let it outside. Uh, that's I feel like you're calling out your mom real hard. I did there, not. Katie. My mom never did that. I would like to clarify because I know she'll listen to this. <laughs> my mom never did that. My parents were pretty good. I was the one that usually freaked out if there was a bug in the house, and that was to no fault of their own. I was just that child. Uh, but consequently, if the parent freaks out, the child is going to react in the same way and probably will growing up. So while we might have an innate wariness of animals like spiders or snakes for self-preservation purposes, the extent to which people fear um, and discuss them or are disgusted by them is largely based on how we see others perceiving them, which means we don't have to hate these animals. We can learn to respect them, if anything, and not overreact to their presence. So here's a good example for everyone. When I was... I want to say three years old. This is one of my earliest memories. Um, both of my earliest memories that I have or some of my earliest memories actually take p- place at the beach because they were um, semi-traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> the crabs, I'm guessing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I remember very vividly I was digging a hole uh, on, on the beach like next to my family. My cousins were there. We were just digging, digging. And I was like planning on making a sandcastle. And I dug my hand into the sand and I pulled it out, and there was a crab attached to my finger. It was attached to my pointer finger, like claw on my finger. And I freaked out because obviously it hurt. And I like shook my hand, and it would not let go of my hand. Like I was flailing my hand all over. This, this is my worst crab. nightmare. This poor crab was probably, you know, just minding its business in the sand. And then like my hand reached in, and it was like, eh. um, and then I flung it, like you know. 50 feet away from me because <laughs> eventually it did let go but um, you know lying. it hurt I was crying I was very upset the rest of that beach trip so you know that's I remember that and since then I have always been really really like just something about being near a crab or a lobster like even at the grocery store, like we would walk by the fish section and you would see the lobsters in the tank and I would literally like couldn't look at them. <laughs> I was like, oh. it was, yeah, it was, it was a real just the thing like reaction that I had. Uh, and then in college, I had to take care of crayfish, a lot of crayfish all the time for biology labs. Uh, crayfish are mini lobsters. I had to pick them up and move them and hard pass, hard do pass things for me. With, yeah. So I had, you know, <laughs> I was very much forced into getting over my fear of lobsters and crabs, I guess, uh, which is definitely not the way you have to do it. <laughs> but, you know, after that experience and kind of learning more about them and handling them and how to handle them properly or how to interact with one properly. Uh, that definitely helped, and I also fell in love with a slipper lobster at an aquarium that I go to pretty often. So that also <laughs> helped a lot because I literally look at this slipper lobster all the time. I look at his little face, and I just want to protect him from everything in this world. And I really can't describe why he stole my heart. 
if you're if you're out there, slipper really. lobster. I gotta add <laughs> to your slipper lobster story because yeah, go ahead. I love um, when I was in school, I went to school in Hawaii. For those of you who have not listened to some of the earlier episodes, so also what are you doing? Go listen to our earlier episodes. True, um, but there was a guy I went to school with, and in one of our invertebrate zoology classes, we literally just went like snorkeling in the ocean to find invertebrates, and this kid found a slipper lobster. And so he like came up like screaming, like, oh my God, slipper lobster. And we were like, well, that's really cool. And we've been like collecting things in buckets to like observe them and then release them. And our instructor specifically says to this kid, like, please leave the slipper lobster alone. Like he's going to be very angry if you try to pick him up. And <laughs> the next thing we hear is this guy screaming. Yep. Because the slipper lobster got him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's like, I wonder if you should have listened to the guy who told you to listen mm, to crazy. No, we're, we're, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty funny. That is, I love that. But the point being here is that while fear of certain animals may be a learned behavior, even if it might be a little innate as well, uh, that means that you can unlearn that fear as well. We are always changing us humans. That is one of the, I guess, decent things about us we can learn things and unlearn them so behavior is fun and we're gonna get into a little more of specific animals that people might have phobias or fears of or just be a little hesitant on now who are we starting with i think Heck yeah let's do it all right so before we get into my section i would like to say that i am very skeeved out by night crawlers which, for those who don't know, are these giant ass worms okay, that live in the I have no idea what that is. It's just like an earthworm, but like enormous. I love earthworms. But they're huge. They're very big. And they are an invasive species, fun fact. So they aren't supposed to be Ooh. here, but they make like fish. I have, I'm raising my hand, but you can't see it. Okay, well, what is? what do you want to uh, So I work with an entomologist now. And she told us the other day that pretty much every single worm in North America is invasive. Yeah, so we don't need them here, so they can go back to where they came from. They do some good things, so, but also okay, some other not do, good things. But here's the thing. Like, little little red worms or little, like, teeny-weeny worms, those I'm okay with. Like, I can pick those up and hold them in my hand. They're not my favorite, but, like, I can deal with them. But night crawlers, for some – well, actually, I know why. They just creep me out. Is because my brother, when we were little, used to throw them on me. Because he would find them on the side of the road and when it was raining and he would just throw them on me. And so I hate them. I don't like how they move and they're just like squishy and gross. So, yeah. So I don't like worms, um, specifically night crawlers. The other ones I can deal with, but they're not my favorite. But kind of looks like a worm, is not a worm. Did you see my transition there? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, snakes, though. Boys. Do any of you guys? Do any of you guys not Danger like I used to take Danger care of this. We would take on walks, and he would like he was like toilet trained. He would poop only when you took him on a walk. What? He was magical. I love snakes. See, I I do too. And I used to work with him at a nature center. It was a little fox snake, and they're super cool because they um, will hit their tail on like dry leaves if you get too close to them and it sounds like a rattlesnake but it's not so they're just like a cool snake um and her name was miss foxy because she was sassy 
We had a, um, a snake at the zoo I worked at that its name was Fluffy. Oh, she was well. The she was a sweetheart. I love it. Well, then begs the question, which are probably a lot of you are asking, like, "Oh my gosh, these crazy people! Why are they not afraid of snakes?" Well, let's ask a <laughs> That's different. Totally question. what a lot why? of people are hearing. <laughs> they probably You're are. Probably like, what's wrong with these people? And my question for you is, why are you guys so afraid of snakes? Mm. Uh, but I have some answers, so it's okay. So, like Katie talked about, there's been some studies that say that us humans have an innate fear of snakes, which, to be fair, early on in the wild helped us survive. So that's fine. Um, but it kind of made our way into um, history and mythology. So I've got a couple examples here of some historical snakes that are not like portrayed very nicely. Uh, every snake so ever. First, well, we'll get there. Um, so the first is in ancient Egypt, there is a snake called Apophis, which is a giant serpent who literally brought chaos and darkness. I thought my next Halloween costume, that's it. <laughs> it, that's great right um in the bible which is probably the most common like famous snake in media yeah, eat that um, apple. the snake tempted eve to eat that apple um so the serpents became associated with like the devil which is also like not great right and there's also like if you look at like the jesus's prophecies and stuff they're like the son of god will take like will rescue from like the asp nest and asp is a kind of snake too so lots of different ones snakes in the bible that are just not associated with like good things um in ancient greece medusa had snakes for hair and she was considered not great either um i was medusa for halloween once that's a great costume actually that's a good idea um in norse mythology mythology this is going to be a a word that i'm going to try to pronounce yorgama your Jormungandr? I'm going to say close enough. Great. So they're the world serpent, and their arch enemy is Thor. So even if, like, he's not innately evil, because Thor, in, in Norse, not in Marvel, because in Marvel he's beautiful. But in, <laughs> in, in actual <laughs> Norse, Norse mythology. But in actual Norse mythology, he's, he's, a, he's a little bit of a dick. So um, some people may or may not think of him as a bad guy. On ancient maps, there were always sea serpents. Oh, yeah. Right? There's, like, that live in the water just terrifying um in modern day we're not doing any better <laughs> we've got ka in the jungle book um and even if you're talking about like the 1960s disney one or the scar joe ka like they're both pretty creepy and basically like i'm gonna hypnotize you and then like eat you for dinner classic um harry potter probably the most famous modern snakes are associated with slytherin house and slytherin tends to be the bad guys and they talk about how they're like always cunning and ambitious yeah. that's not even that's not resourceful just... determined ambitious you know but if you look at the media the media says anyone here but I, me oh, i was gonna say someone seems to know a lot about slytherin <laughs> i'm hufflepuff <laughs> oh i'm a ravenclaw well now that we've covered that, Kenzie will have to tell us what she is next episode. I think she's, if she's not a Ravenclaw or a Slytherin, Slytherin, I will be surprised. Yeah, I could I could see her being in either. Continue. Actually, she is a Slytherin. We just All talked right. about this. I just forgot. There you go. Um, we'll see. There you go. So, no Gryffindors here. It's a party. <laughs> um, so, snakes 
um, in modern media are often associated with being sneaky or mysterious, like Jafar has his like little cobra staff and a lad and that kind of stuff. But here's the weird thing. When I was looking at mythology of snakes, a lot of snakes have pretty good reputation in mythology. Like a lot of them were associated with like immortality because they shed their skin. Hmm. Right. So it was like new life rebirth or they were associated with like fertility and medicine. Interesting. Which are all like pretty good things. Right. So I don't know why that's not it's I don't know why it's so ingrained in us that snakes are scary because there's also a lot of good isn't snakes there a there. medical symbol that has snakes on it yes it is the staff of everyone thinks it's hermes's staff uh-huh. but it's not actually hermes's staff it's a different one but i can't remember who is which god it's it like the god of farming Cad- like that caduceus is a symbol with a yeah caduceus. caduceus thank you yeah or catechus, catechus whatever okay. you want <laughs> yeah it's like 30 ways to pronounce it but it's all the same thing um, but yeah, it's a medical huh. symbol. So like you would think like more people have a positive image of snakes, but when you hear snake, the first thing you don't, the, that's not the first thing you think of oh, is yeah, like definitely not. fertility and mortality. Um, so fun facts about snakes. Um, they have no legs and I think people are weirded out by that. I think that's part of the problem. I think that makes them so much more special is the fact that they don't have legs because they got to wiggle around and it's really cute. Listen, I agree, but people do not. Okay. Um, Bear. So they are the legless. <laughs> they are legless members of the suborder Serpentes. Wow, creative. Uh, there are over three thousand species of snakes. Of those three thousand, only about six hundred are venomous, and of those six hundred, only about two hundred have venom that's potent enough to kill a human. So, chances are you're not going to run across too many venomous snakes. And spoiler alert, most of them live in Australia. (laughs) That's true. You know, um, there's two types of snakes out there. There's constrictors and there's venomous snakes. So constrictors are snakes that kill their prey by squeezing. Um, It was often, or a long time it was thought it was like trying to asphyxiate them, but it's actually to stop blood flow. So interesting. Um, And venomous snakes have a venomous bite, a toxic bite that will kill you or kill its prey um i'm gonna put something up here right now snakes aren't poisonous oh my god yeah, we've this said is this like before. my biggest pet peeve yes they're just not they're not poisonous they're venomous if you bite a snake i'm not gonna say you're not gonna get sick but you're not gonna get sick from a venom or a toxin right if you lick a snake, you're not going to get sick. That's a good way to put Don't it. lick a snake, though. <laughs> Disclaimer. Don't lick yeah, don't a do snake. it. Let's be clear. Please don't do this, but, like, you wouldn't get sick, probably. Um, however, if a venomous snake bites you, you almost most certainly would get sick. If not die. But most likely get sick because only about 200, again, could kill a human. So just, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, snakes have forked tongues, which are super cool. It allows them to sense where their prey is. So it kind of works like a directional, like a compass kind of, I was going to say directional indicator, which is just what a compass is. Uh, <laughs> so, um, what they do is they have this forked tongue and they can kind of taste the different particles in the air to see where their prey is. They also have infrared vision, which kind of helps them figure out where warm stuff is to eat. And their bones in their lower jaw can pick up vibrations, kind of like how our ear bones pick up vibrations. So I thought that was really cool. It's like their ears and their mouth. 
which is a terrifying image, but it's cool. Can you imagine if our ears were in our mouth? That'd be kind of gross. Would be interesting. I'd have to listen to myself chew all the time. Oh, oh ew. You're right. Well, snakes don't chew. That I didn't write that down, but that's also true. Um, so another common myth about snakes is they cannot unhinge their jaws. So everyone says, like, snakes unhinge their jaws to swallow their prey. Really, they just have these super-duper stretchy ligaments that are at the base of their jaw and in between the two bones on their bottom jaw that help them make their mouth real wide. <laughs> so... Um, a good rule of thumb, if you're looking at a snake and you're like, am I going to eat that? If an object is a bigger circumference than the largest circumference of the snake, it's probably not going to try to eat that. It gets into a gray area when we get to, like, the invasive snakes in Florida because they are they all out there eating gators. They sure are. But, like, but I don't know of too many snakes that are going to try to eat a human. You know what I mean? You just don't hear about that as much. Well, it's like this shark episode that we talked about. Like, we're just not on their menu. Like, right. in order to get bitten by a snake, it's the same thing where you're getting bitten by a shark. Like, either you're too close because one of you startled the other or the human is in the wrong because they got all up in the, sh- the snake or the shark's business. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, snakes do shed their skin. They shed their skin when they grow. They, um, when they're younger, they shed it a couple. They shed it pretty often, but then as they get older, they'll only shed it about once a year. Um, and basically, it grows a little bit bigger, and their skin gets too tight. So it's just like if you were to put on like clothes that were too tight for you, and you like bust it out of them like Hulk. So basically, snakes like Hulk out of their I actually skin. Actually, love that which... analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really. I just thought of it, and I'm pretty proud of myself. So I'm gonna be using that. At this work. is why we're educators. Um, yep. <laughs> Yeah. Coming up with those analogies. <laughs> we got it. Um, also, snake scales are made of keratin, just like your fingernails and just like rhino horns. So It's like we just talked about that or something. Weird. <laughs> um, so now we'll get into like misconceptions about snakes. That being said, snakes aren't slimy. Everyone. Where did that ever start? Talk- what? I have, I have no idea. People always think of snakes are, I'm, I'm wondering if it's like hagfish. Oh, I'm wondering if it's worms. Or worms, which, like, granted, that's gross. They're gross, so, like, it's okay. Enough with your worm hate here. I just don't like them. (laughs) Um, But snakes are are not slimy. Um, If you would like to know what a snake feels like, touch your fingernails. That's actually what they feel like. It's not really scary at all. Um, Another misconception is that snakes are aggressive. (laughs) Nah, bruh. All the snakes I've met, pretty chill. I don't know about you guys, but I've met quite a few snakes in my day, which I know sounds very strange, but we work at zoos, so it's not as weird as you'd think. And most of the snakes I know, they're like, if you leave it alone, he's fine. They're not going to actively try to get at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like Emily Emily B. said, it's it's very similar with sharks. It's just they would not like you to get up in their face, and I understand that. Yeah, I was actually about to get into that. So a lot of people ask, are snakes dangerous? Are snakes deadly? Yes, if they are venomous, they can be extremely deadly. But are they dangerous? It depends. There's a really good infographic that I've seen going around um, a couple times. I shared it on my Facebook. I did too. It's so good. And basically, it's like a flow chart of, is this snake dangerous? And I asked a bunch of questions about what you're doing. So if you are giving the snake enough space and allowing it an escape route, that snake is most likely not going to be dangerous mm-hmm. because you're out of its way. 
and you are much bigger than the snake usually. And so it would rather go somewhere else than have you to deal like with. Like how you said usually. Listen, if you're in again, South America, deep in the dense jungle. Or just like in the Everglades. Then you might like, be in trouble. Thing. I keep thinking about those snakes that like eat the gators and that well, I'm like, well, that one's bigger than me. Um, well, they're invasive. Yeah, they are invasive. They shouldn't be here to begin with. No, they shouldn't, just like those worms. But <laughs> um, as far as venom goes, people are like, well, snakes are going to just bite me as soon as I see them. Venom takes a lot to produce. Like, energetic-wise, it's not smart to have to be biting things all the time because it takes a lot for that snake to produce that venom. So they're only going to use the venom if they have to. And... You know, if you just give them an escape route, they're probably going to take that instead because it's a lot easier for them to slither away than it is for them to bite you and then have to try to make more venom later. There have been so many times where I've just been walking, usually like nature trail or just like a path somewhere, and a snake just slithers across, just minding its business, just going by, and I'm just like, hello, friend, and then it keeps going. That happened to me at work a couple days there ago. There you go. They're not people, interested people kept in People screaming, and I was like, just stay where you are. Leave them alone. <laughs> Leave him alone, and then he'll disappear. It went away. It was fine. I was walking um, into our place of work one time, and there was a black rat snake just chilling on the sidewalk, and every person in, like, a 100-foot radius was, like, freaking out. Yeah. And I knew it was just a little rat snake. He's not going to bother nobody. He's just trying to get some sun. And so I, like, kind of st- steered him into the bushes so that nobody would hurt him. Good. Good job. So you might be wondering, are snakes helpful? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes they, they are. are. The most helpful. If you are skeeved out by wretch, might people cockroaches to those ones. Yeah, worms like me. Snakes eat those things. They eat them. They're nature's pest control. They're here to do that. And actually, there's a really cool story. Have you ever heard of a milk snake or a corn snake before? They're so cute. Those, they're so cute. Them. Actually, corn the cutest so snake. I want a corn snake so bad. The, the, I, I would argue the cutest snakes are hognose snakes. Have you guys seen those? Yeah, they're also cute. Oh my gosh, I can't. They just have a little shovel on their, on their, on their nose. It's adorable. But anyway, milk snakes and corn snakes actually get their names because farmers in South America kept finding them in cows' barns or cornfields, respectively. Right, depending on if you're a milk or a corn snake. And at first, there were, like, these crazy rumors going around. The farmers were like, the snakes are eating my corn, and the snakes are drinking my cow's milk, which is, <laughs> that's literally, that's true. That is exactly what they people thought. But then after a while, so they started killing the snakes, right, in the cornfields and in the barns. Mm-hmm. And they realized well, there are a lot of rats having, after that. <laughs> yes, they started having rat and mice problems. And they were like, oh, the snakes were eating those things. So now down in South America, farmers really, really like having those snakes around. So they if they actually aren't, don't have as bad a reputation. Beautiful. Just because they know that, like, this snake is here to make sure that, like, I still have a crop and not diseased cows. Okay, so you know that part in SpongeBob where he waves his hands and he goes, imagination, and there's a rainbow? Yeah, of course. That's happening in my head right now, but education is imagination. <laughs> you know? Love it. Yep. So, I, need, I need that to be. I need that to exist. So, in conclusion, I love snakes. Um, I do think they have a better reputation. If you don't like snakes because they just skeeve you out a little bit, totally understand. That is okay. I just ask that you appreciate my snaky friends because they're very noodle boys. Did you say my sneaky friends? She's, my snake. My snidgery snake.
my snacks. Danger noodles. I love my danger noodles. I want to boop their snoot, but cannot boop their snoot. No, it's not. See, Katie, that's the part that we talked about. Where Don't it's recommend. Like, yeah, because even snakes that are, like, not venomous have pretty sharp teeth, and they usually face backwards, which means it's so, so the prey can't run away, but it means it's really, really... It's not fun uh, to take them out of your body. No. no. So... Yeah, don't touch the snakes, but appreciate the snakes. We love them. Unless you know how to handle a snake and all that. But if you are a zoo worker whose job is to handle the snake, that's different. All right. Yes. So the next animal we're going to talk about is crabs because they're creepy, in my humble opinion. Um, I, like most of the other conservation queens, have a healthy love for most animals that most people consider creepy crawlies. But crabs are just the one that, like, they just make my skin crawl. Like, I just, we do not get along, okay? And here's why. Here's why. I think this is why most people don't like them either. I mean, Katie gave us that beautiful story of how a crab pinched her finger. And honestly, <laughs> I think for most fears of crab start is people see that either on They're TV or in movies. Big, or, yeah. Claw. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Well, we got a lot of <laughs> crabs. Today. I'm very proud of us. Sure. I never watched SpongeBob. I didn't have Nickelodeon. Well, that's so too bad. It's on Amazon Prime. Go do yourself a favor. Called <laughs> um, out real hard. But crabs are arthropods, which is the group that includes um, all crustaceans, includes um, arachnids, so spiders, includes um, scorpions, a whole bunch of other animals. All bugs are arthropods. Not all bugs. All bugs are not arthropods. Sorry. <laughs> It's just total mush today. A lot of them. If I could tell you all the things I've done today, you wouldn't believe. Not all this, men, but... Emily. Oh Jesus. Not all bugs. Not all arthropods. All right. Um, but crabs. Here's why. So crabs have too many legs. They are decapods. They have ten legs. That is far too many, in my humble opinion. Look it up. Like... Sorry, I had to say that. <laughs> Moana is it's just... happening in my head now. <laughs> they just have too many legs. I'm sorry. Um, they also have beady little eyes. I have never seen a crab. I literally just shivered because I'm so skeeved out just talking about this. Um, <laughs> crabs have beady little eyes. They're you not like cute. Eyes? They're not cute. Yes, they are. False. Absolutely have false. you ever looked into the eyes of a mantis shrimp? Tell me that's not a little scary. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's not the same. I saw a ghost crab this weekend at my bachelorette party, and he was adorable. Okay, you, you didn't let me get to point six here. If you read point six, <sighs> beady little eyes, that's what I'm saying. Anyway, point three, they walk sideways. That just seems sketchy. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> they do, um, they do point do that. Point four, they have pinchy claws. That could hurt you. Ouch. No, thank you. Hard pass. Oh, my pinky toe one time, and that was the end of that. <laughs> Um, okay, and then point five. Need I say more? Honestly, that should be enough. Um, because they're just, I just, uh, I don't get along with them. And then point six, as I referred to earlier, is that the exception to this crab, I don't, I don't want to say hatred. That seems like a strong word, but um, dis, disdain for crabs um, is hermit crabs, which I think can be cute because they have cute little shells. And then ghost crabs, because I just think they, they always look very concerned that's um, true. Which I, like, I need help. You need the help. And you're exactly. like, yeah, help me. And they're just cute. Um, I saw a video online of this little crab. I'm sure. I think we all saw it. I think it was in the it's group. TikTok, isn't it? Yes. And the crab's like, 
the girls like freaking out and then all the comments are like this is actually the like, internal yes. model <laughs> it's like please go away like please <laughs> please leave me alone and this poor you crab is like thinking... 10 feet away from her anyway <laughs> like just chilling i kept thinking like it should have been like the back should have been like domine yes <laughs> that is the perfect song for any any crab lobster shrimp etc <laughs> I, I sing it at my fiance sometimes and he does not appreciate it. Well, magical. Um, so anyway, back to crabs. Um, I also kind of lump in other crustaceans into this. Oh, for sure. Um, so things like lobsters who also have big pinchy claws. Mm-hmm. They at least walk forward. I mean, at least they have that going for them. Um, shrimp, same thing. At least they walk forward. Um, basically anything that has like I think the problem for me with arthropods is that a lot of them have what are called, uh, I'm going to murder this, chelicerae. It's these little like mouth parts that like are constantly moving and it just freaks me out. I'm sorry. Do you want me to make it grosser for you? Uh, No, but yes. Okay. So when I was in Zambia, one of the people I was with was doing research on freshwater crabs. Okay. And they needed to take pictures of their genitalia in order to... Uh, tell if it was a new species or not and so guess what my job was oh boy i got to hold back the genitalia on the crab wow so i've touched a lot of crab genitalia in my day which is a weird thing that i have claimed to wow well i'm happy for you (laughs) (laughs) um anyway yeah yeah there are some good things about crabs i guess um they're (laughs) They're decomposers. Emily, so like, remember, we're trying to advocate for creepy crawlies here. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Although, to be honest, I don't think there is that many positives to crabs, but that's just me. They taste really nice. Let's start caught sustainably. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. So they're decomposers, so that's great for the earth. Yay, crabs. We love that. Um, they are um, a really good food source for a lot of animals. Um, now, something I did not know is that there's over 4,500 species of crabs, which just seems like excessive if you ask me. Um, <laughs> but there's two groups of crabs. So there's what you call true crabs, which typically have a short body and they use more of their legs for walking. So this is things like spider crabs, blue crabs. Like if you see like an emoji of a crab, that's a true crab. Mm. And then false crabs are ones that have a longer body and they use less of their legs for walking. So things like hermit crabs and king crabs are considered false crabs. Um, I found out today that crabs um, are like the most widespread marine animal because they live in literally every part of the ocean, um, which another reason to be terrified of them is they're everywhere. Um, let's see. They The largest crab is the Japanese spider crab, oh, which can be these... 12 feet across. Okay. That is literally my nightmare. Yeah, that is that actually crab would hug my car. That is actually nightmare fuel. I don't like that at all. Emily, hey, are you feeling this? Because like I just don't. I'm agree. sorry. <laughs> if you were met a 12 foot across crab, what would you do? I mean, we are running for the hills. We'll let you guys so, stay and have a nice conversation. To be fair, crabs like actually don't creep me out. I think they're kind of cute with like their little eyeballs that just like pop right. up. I think this it's is where I hardcore disagree with everyone. But <laughs> also, I'm with you. also, I know Emily B is about to say this, but coconut crabs are also something that terrifies me because apparently, they're huge. Apparently, that's um like you know the theory that Amelia is like a dog. Okay. Amelia Earhart, like, so maybe crashed on a certain island, right? 
and like that's what happened to her and apparently they never found her body because she might have been eaten by coconut crabs Sorry. Allegedly. oh my Sorry. i just, <laughs> like... just i don't like that i don't like that at all they're really big they're so cute though so like emily b was saying crabs can be scary and i think it can be a very rational fear for some people but it's the same idea where are you really going to i guess come in contact with a japanese spider crab katie probably not you're gonna be fine uh but, but wouldn't you just be so excited to see i, mean, I love it when I animals guess, are big. i guess and we'll get to this in a little bit but like ways to I guess, overcome that fear. Because like I said, I kind of got more of like a hands-on uh, handling of crabs that now I find them pretty okay. But what you can do besides that. But before we do, uh, we have some other arthropods and bugs that I think Emily A is going to talk to us now about. Yeah, so I'm going to be talking about bugs. Uh, so many creepy crawlies, or I guess I could say you're going to think they're cool crawlies now. <laughs> um, I like so that. first, we're going to go in, dive right in to cockroaches. I know pretty much nobody likes them. And listen. I love them. I like them. I don't love them, but you know what? I respect them. And I'm that's true. I say I like them, but if one sneaks up on me, like my initial reaction is going to be a jump. Yes. One hundred percent. I have overcoming that jump. The rational side of my brain coming back. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) You're fine. I I definitely am cockroach removal in my house. That is my job. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to tell you why they're cool. So, one of the really interesting things is that cockroaches are used to study robotics. Um, <laughs> the way they uh, are able to propel themselves, like, from, like, the ground up a wall, like, a literal 90-degree angle. I'm not kidding you. They run full speed straight ahead, literally, bot- like, bash their heads against the wall to bounce up and start going up the wall. Like, no concussion. Totally chilling. They're fine. So you say that. That probably makes people a little even more freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, if I run full speed straight ahead into a wall, I'm getting a concussion. Because <laughs> we're human. I mean, I've done it by accident before. It's not suck. always bad. Um, also, they're studied for robotics uh, because of how uh, agile they are or how well they move. Uh, they could literally lose all four out of their six legs, and uh, it's no big deal. They're totally going to move oh, just God. fine. <laughs> um, but speaking about their legs, uh, so <laughs> they have things called sensory organs, which are kind of like brains. Um, and not quite a brain, <laughs> but close enough for a cockroach. Yeah. It's like a, a diet brain. Basically, it's it's weird, um, but like I said, they could lose four of them and it's fine. <laughs> um, and because of having these sensory organs, uh, this is what allows them to be able to live without a head um, for about seven days. So they li- they can live with that, but like they will die eventually. Yes. Okay. Because people yes. make it sound like they can live without a head forever, and I'm like, that's not factual but not how that's not how science work <laughs> just for about a week 
No big Which deal. Which is significant. It's enough to wrap up all your, you know, things you gotta wrap up in life. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> so you buy all like your, your mom. <laughs> um, well, uh, one of the other interesting things about them is that their risk what's the word I'm looking for? They're unsusceptible to to cancer. Uh, so what that means is that their cells regenerate at a much slower rate than ours do. So their body, even if a cancer cell is introduced to them, it won't grow fast enough to create a cancer mass. Jeez. Yeah. Huh. Dang cockroaches. I know. This is what uh, allows them to be able to live under radioactive um, spaces <laughs> and not be like phased. It's fine. Uh, They can also survive 30 minutes underwater. So this is just a heads up to everyone. Don't flush a cockroach down your toilet. It's just going to come back out. (laughs) Big yikes. Also, um, speaking of trying to rid of cockroaches, if you kill a cockroach with force, meaning you step on one, um, it releases a pheromone that only attracts more. That doesn't make much sense to me because why would evolutionarily you want to do that well apparently they want katie apparently they're they're very smart so they want to learn what killed their friends so they don't also die uh which is what they do for bait so if you leave out cockroach bait um it's going to kill a cockroach but their friends are going to realize that the bait killed their friend and they are not going to go after your bait I just, and also is because they will eat dead cockroaches. Wait, they eat themselves? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> I but guess also, they are. But also them. revenge. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not revenge. You don't know. No. I'm... The guy in Wally was sentient. Because that was a cockroach they made to be like a dog. Because it was a Disney Pixar movie. Pixar is fat but anyways but they are decomposers and one of the things that people like why they hate cockroaches is because their immediate thought is oh my god they're so gross guys they're not gross the space they are crawling in is gross they're trying to clean it yes they're trying to make it nice yes (laughs) they Um, just want to help us all right so this is why I think they're badass. So please respect their badassery. <laughs> they're literally like little machines that are, can't die. And they will outlive us all and survive the apocalypse. Yep. 100%. Also, so also show them some hair. respect. They do they eat the only. They do eat hair the and fingernails. Only, aren't they the only animals on earth that can digest hair i don't know if they're the only one but i know they are definitely one well anyways more other creepy crawly insects uh mosquitoes everyone hates them (laughs) true um which is fair uh but i have a few reasons to tell you why they're important um only some species actually drink blood um and the ones that do it's just the females, uh, but the rest of them are all pollinators. Really? Yeah. Um, actually, one of their close cousins, um, who I think is in the mosquito family, um, is actually the only pollinator in the world. 
um, to pollinate uh, cacao, which is chocolate. <gasps> what? Yes. Oh, no. I can't say I hate mosquitoes anymore because chocolate's my favorite food. Right. Well, it is. There you go. Um, also, their larvae are decomposers and filter feeders in waterways. Crazy. And just to top the cherry off, some mosquitoes actually help take care of their own population by eating themselves. <laughs> well, you know. Insects are wild. Mosquitoes are also a ridiculously important food source for so many other animals. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Like bats. Yep. Yes. To name one. <laughs> there you go. Um, but some other... Uh, insects that people don't enjoy are bees, wasps, and like we mentioned, butterflies. <laughs> um, but they're pollinators, y'all. Um, I don't know how many people. I think hear. it's I think it's the flying thing with the stingy thing that is scary. And I was oh, definitely terrified of bees and wasps as a kid, like for sure. Oh yes, the the stingy end on bees and wasps is. I will agree. Um, I'm not sure how many of you guys uh, have been to Disney that are listening, but like, if you have, we're pollinators, pollinators. <laughs> oh, I hate that show. Tough to be a bug, man. <laughs> I'm a way to get people to be more scared of bugs, though. <laughs> it really did not help any child's fear of bugs at all. It's very true, especially we, spiders. It's it like, definitely we'll encourages uh, arachnophobia. <laughs> By the way, for those of you who don't know, we're referencing Bugs Life. There's a show about it at one of the parks. Um, but anyways, <laughs> um, most bees and wasps are pollinators. Um, and if they are not pollinators, they're just the few species that live with rage in their souls and must be bug zappers instead. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and I would love to add that I have noticed a lot of confusion about pollinators. Um, for some reason, I guess a lot of people think that pollinators eat pollen, um, but they don't. I think for the most part, they don't at all. They simply spread it because it gets stuck to their bodies when they drink nectar. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want an adorable picture to look up, please look up a picture of a bee that has pollen stuck to their legs and body. It's, it's so okay. cute. I love you so much. Absolutely incredible. Um, but also, like I was saying, butterflies, caterpillars are also important for the same reason, because they're all pollinators. Um, but moving away from insects, we have spiders and tarantulas, y'all. This is definitely probably next to snakes. I think the bigger fear that people have mm-hmm. is for spiders Absolutely. and tarantulas. Yes. Um but they're bug zappers. They control bug populations, including themselves. Yet again, uh, bugs wild their own kind. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would love to say that they are way more scared of us than we are of them. Like, trust us. So uh, true. We are so much larger in th- than them. I uh, had to get a wolf spider out of my house the other day, and this poor thing was so terrified when I was trying to scoop it up with a cup. Like, I felt bad. <laughs> he already looked so lost in my house. Like, he was like, I don't know how I got in here. I want to get out. Please help me. 
Oh, <laughs> and fun. when we got outside, he he bolted. He was like goodbye. <laughs> so they really did not appreciate his taxi. No, um, I tried to bug taxi him as quick as I could, but you know. <laughs> um, but most spiders and tarantulas uh, are actually not dangerous to to us at all. Um, in fact, out of forty three thousand species of them, only about thirty have been responsible for human deaths. That's better than snakes. So it's a better ratio. Right. Oh, it's Don't way less, but know. people see them a lot more often than snakes. Right. So I think right. that, you know, instills the fear yeah. continuously. Right. And we talked about it with snake venom, but same thing for them. They don't actually have to inject venom in every bite. Um, typically, they're going to want to save that for something they actually can eat and, like, they can't eat us. <laughs> right. That would make it so They're just trying to get away. They, could you imagine if they could eat us, though? I would no, be, thank be, you. Lot, I'd be a lot more terrified. Well, yeah, because yeah. that would mean the spider would have to be very large. Um, the last bug I would like to leave you all with is ants. Um, I will actually say I really don't like ants. So I get it. They infest your space and it's very, very difficult to get rid of them once they come in uh, because they use chemtrails when they walk and then they can easily find each other even if you get rid of one. Um, but anyways, they're just decomposers, guys. And once again, like the cockroach, they're just trying to clean up our mess. Um, so I saw this meme. I don't know if anyone else has seen it, but it's the cutest thing in the world. And it's just like a little ant. And he's like, hi there. Um, I see you aren't using these crumbs, so I'm just going to take them, okay? <laughs> Maybe too bad. I am part There's of also- that Facebook group. Um <laughs> Oh, me too. I was gonna say that we're all ants in an ant colony. That one. <laughs> I think we've mentioned this I before. Actually, yeah, it's, we have. I highly recommend it's it though. Great. It's really funny. <laughs> it's so good. It actually it's has so made good. me appreciate ants a little more. I'm not gonna lie. See, look at that. Because now I see an ant, and my brain just goes lift. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, but another great thing that ants do is they make sure that we have great soil. Um, so they do that by every time that they are like crawling in the ground, they're actually turning over soil, uh, which makes good soil for more plants to grow. And on top of that, half the time they end up taking seeds down into their little tunnels, which they're basically planting seeds, guys. They're better gardeners than us. I believe it. But that is my argument as to why uh, you might love insects or at least respect them now. They may be tiny, but they're mighty. Yes. And they will easily, if they were larger than people, like they would (laughs) outnumber us. I mean, they already outnumber us. But I'm just imagining if they were larger than us, they would take up so much space. (laughs) Yeah. and I mean, just a a little kind of getting into wrapping it up here. like, for example, spiders. I I was a kid that would see a spider and scream as if I was being stabbed 78 times. Like, yeah, in the chest. I and I think it was because uh, that's what I saw other people do when they saw spiders. So I was like, naturally, that's what I have to do when I see a spider. And, you know, like I said, uh, two days ago, I literally picked up a wolf spider and put it outside. 
um, from my house. So it takes time to overcome these learned behaviors that we have been practicing for perhaps our whole lives. But when I started to learn more about animals, like whether it be crabs or snakes or spiders or whatever it may be for you, uh, it helps you to kind of, you know, maybe you have that fear reaction, but then you're able to take a step back and kind of evaluate like, okay, that spider is quite a ways away from me. It's not doing anything. I can kind of figure out what to do like much more calmly and that not only does that help you but it helps people that are watching you like if you you have like a younger cousin with you or whoever it might be someone that you can influence like that that does that goes a long way of helping with like just kind of that phobia of certain animals or of nature yeah but uh into our kind of more conservation conversation some other ways you can help Uh, overcome hesitation with animals is to just go out into nature and maybe try to learn something about your least favorite animal. Uh, You might be surprised at what you learn about them. I certainly didn't know a lot of the stuff you mentioned about cockroaches, which is pretty cool. Like the cancer thing. That's crazy. Uh, My biggest, I think, suggestion is going to as your aquarium to learn more about the animal that you're unsure of or to go see them Mm -hmm. because looking for that animal in the wild can be unpredictable and while observing them in a zoo or aquarium is a little better because you know you're safe you can observe them for an extended period of time uh if you're comfortable doing that and I think that is a really great way to just get to know an animal like start to notice their behaviors what are they doing with their time uh how what are they doing in general uh and the more you observe them the more you're kind of like okay it's there it's doing its thing and that kind of makes it a little better I think so uh, and people can explain to you what's going on too which I think is always helpful if you know why something does something it makes it a lot less scary that's so true I love that so that's kind of it for our conservation conversation thank you guys so much for joining us this week uh, we really love, I mean, I really enjoyed this episode. And like we said in the beginning, it was a suggestion from one of our listeners. So if you have an episode topic you want to hear, send it in. Let us know. ConservationQueensPodcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook or Instagram. Thank you guys so much. Now go out there and stay sustainable. Bye. 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 <laughs>